This weekly broadcast is an in-depth study of Leviticus and is presented to you by Cornerstone Bible Center in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You can email us at in-depthbibleteaching at yahoo.com. And now, here's our teacher, Alex Del Percio. This is that uh, he, he shows them. So we're going to begin in chapter 18, and we're going to read some verses. Um, the reason that God places the res- restriction on his people is seen in the beginning part of chapter 18. We're going to read that. Verse 1, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, I am the Lord your God. After the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein ye dwelt, shall ye not do. And after the doings of the land of Cana, whither I bring you, ye shall not do. Neither shall ye walk in their ordinances. Ye shall do my judgments and keep mine ordinance to walk therein. I am the Lord your God. Ye shall observe, excuse me, ye shall therefore keep my statutes uh, and my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. Now, in verse 3, he uses this phrase, Neither shall ye walk in their ordinances. Now, ordinance means a, a decree. And when you actually look at the word and you start to, to study the word, you will see that what it's talking about is that which is common in that particular society. So that you have particular customs and different things that the people did. In, er- in every culture, you have certain customs, certain things that the people do and don't do. For example, when I went to Guatemala, their customs, a lot of their customs were different than when I went to Peru. For, for example, one of the things you do not do uh, in Guatemala, especially if you're going to come up and give a testimony or you're going to be preaching or teaching or anything like that, you don't chew gum. They, that's one of the things they look down upon if you're chewing gum. It's just part of their culture. So when the Lord tells them here in verse 3, <clears throat> after the doings of the, of the land of Egypt, wherein ye dwelt, ye shall not do. Now, the, the Egyptians had certain customs. They had certain gods they worshipped. They had certain things that they did. Their, their manner of living, how they looked at things. He says, don't do as the Egyptians. Now when I'm bringing you into the land of Cana, there'll be people in the land. They're going to have their own customs, and we're going to see that in a little bit. Uh, Don't do after those customs, those things. You have to be separated from them. Now, the question is, who makes the rules? You know, does... The nation do the particular uh, ites in the land, Amorites, Philistines, Jebusites. Do they make the rules? You know, who sets up the rules? And of course, we know who does, and that's God. The Israelites, when they were in Egypt, they followed after the customs of the Egyptians, and they worshipped Uh, The gods of the Egyptians, they were just as much, if not more, idolaters than were the Egyptians. And the reason why I say more so is because uh, 
they should have known better. But, you know, they, they, they didn't, you know, break from that. Now, in, remember, the promise was to, well, to Abraham and to his, to his seed. Now, in Ezekiel 20, verse 6, In the day that I lifted up mine hand unto them to bring them forth from the land of Egypt into a land that I had espied for them flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands, then said I unto them, Cast ye every man uh, the abomination, cast away the abominations of his eyes. Uh, in other words, when you, when you see the customs of the Egyptians that they're worshiping this god or that god or whatever you know, they're doing, you need to cast that away from yourself. And defile not yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. But they rebelled against me and would not hearken unto me. They did not every man cast away the abominations of their eyes, neither did they forsake the idols of Egypt. And so in Egypt... They were idolaters. God didn't choose them because they were living righteously. God didn't choose them because they broke away from the custom of that day, you know, you know being idolatry and the like and different things that the Egyptians did. He chose them for another reason. Now, God says back in Leviticus 18.4, there's something in this verse here that applies to us just as much as, as it did to them. There are a few words in this verse that are very revealing to me and should perk up our ears and our heart to walk with God. And in this verse, verse 4, you will see he says that you need to do, you need to keep, and you need to walk in the ordinances of the Lord. So there is to be this doing uh, and keeping that comes out from the heart that will help a person or enable a person to walk in the ordinances or in, in our case, another way to say that would be to walk in that which God is showing you personally, his ordinance to you, along with you know, that which you know to walk in. So these things are necessary to progress in God. See, he's dealing in these chapters with immorality because immorality will be the thing that will keep the individual, will keep the Israelites from moving closer to God and moving into uh, this holiness that God desires uh, to be in their life. And so that's one of the reasons he deals with the immorality here. Now, from verse 6 through verse 20, these, all these different things here are based upon the commandments. So if you would take, if you would take one Bible and you would set it up on, on your desk at home and you would open it up to the commandments and then you would take another Bible and you would open it up to Leviticus 18, and you would start to read chapter 18 and 19 and 20, you would see that God is expounding on the commandments that he gave already. 
Now, from verse 6 through 20, is dealing with the seventh commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. All of what you're seeing in those verses is God expounding on the seventh commandment. Very interesting when you start to really look at this. Um, and then throughout um, these chapters, you have the first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Uh, second commandment, thou shalt not uh, make any graven image or likeness of anything that is in heaven above, and etc., etc. Uh, let me just go down here. Uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's, that's in Leviticus 19. Um, the fifth commandment, honor thy father and mother. Uh, that's in Leviticus 20. Uh, what else we have here? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, the 10th commandment, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor maidservant uh, maid or manservant, etc. And so on. So, so God gives the Ten Commandments. But now, in these chapters, he's going to start expounding on some of these things. And there, there's, there's reasons for that. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Uh, I'd like somebody to read some verses. Okay. Verse, this is chapter 18, verse 7, 9, 10. 7, 9, and 10, and I'll read one. When it's nakedness, it's talking about sexual relationships. In 17, the practical application of the commandments to everyday living. Now, as far as the ritualistic things that you read uh, in the book of Leviticus, it's not necessary to keep them as a manner or a way of life. For example, we, we looked at the sacrifices. You know, we don't need to keep the sacrifices as a way of living now as a Christian. Uh, the, 14th, the 11th chapter where we dealt with uh, the diet is not necessary to keep that. And, and as you go through that, you can see that these things you know, are not necessary to keep now as a Christian. But... What we're reading here in these chapters and the Ten Commandments, they are to be kept. They, you know, you hear people say, and I've heard this many, many, many times, where they said that the Old Testament, the things in the Old Testament have all passed away. And now we're in, 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 the, in an, a, a new uh, area of grace and, and so on. But that's not really accurate. You know, what you have in the New Testament, and we're going to look at a few scriptures, is based upon the Ten Commandments. You know, we're to be living much higher than that, that we don't need to worry about thou shalt not kill. You know, thou shalt not uh, put any graven, make any graven image. We should be living in a, in a place where, you know, you know, that's not even in the picture, but nevertheless, they did not pass away, and the keeping of them is necessary. I mean, that's like a foundational thing. If you don't, if you don't have that, where, where are you walking as a Christian? If you're committing adultery, where are you walking as a Christian? So, so those things didn't pass away. Now, in 1 Thessalonians, I'll read a couple of verses. Turn, somebody turn to Ephesians 4, and you can read a couple of verses for me. 
I'm reading this from the Amplified. For this is the will of God, that you, sh- that you should be consecrated, separated, and set apart for pure and holy living. Now, you know, I never realized how much in the New Testament comes out from the book of Leviticus until I really started to study it. Uh, so many verses, uh, you know, that Paul writes are directly related to Leviticus, or you can see a, a splash of that verse, so to speak, in, in his writing there. Uh, that ye should abstain and shrink from all sexual vice, that each of you should know how to possess, control, and manage his, his own body in purity, separated from things profane and in consecration and honor, not to be used in the passion of lust like the heathen who are ignorant of the true God and have no knowledge of his will. Who's going to read? uh, Somebody turn to Ephesians 4, 17 through 19. Do you hear that? Do not walk as other Gentiles walk. Now, Paul was speaking about his time frame, but also, this goes right back to the um, people of the land of Cana and God's dealing with the Israelites when they come out. The verses we read, don't do as they do. Don't do as the heathen nations or the Gentiles. It's the same thing. Yeah, Sexual vice, lasciviousness. Go ahead. This, you have spent enough time... <clears throat> Excuse me, this is from the NIV. You have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. See, that's taken from the time and also back to where we're looking at here in Leviticus. Now, in, in 1 Corinthians 5, Paul dealt with this in the Corinthian church. Remember, Corinth was um, a very popular city of its time and a very large city for its time. And when you have a large city, you have all these different things going on in the city. And remember that there were those who responded to the gospel now from, out from the custom of their day, and God changed their lives. But in this instance here, there was a difficulty, a problem here in the church that Paul had to deal with. Uh, verse 1, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication is not as, as much, so as much named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up, and hath not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. So, so here again, you have this same thing where they were involved in the custom of their day, whatever was going on there, they, they embraced. Now, the word fornication uh, is, let me think here a second. Jeez, uh, pornia, not pornio, it's a, it's a form of the word, the word we use in English, porn, comes from the word fornication here in, in, in the Greek. Okay, and the, the root word is pornia. And or porneo, by memory, I don't know. Getting old, what can I say? But it deals with sexual vice and it deals with all these different things like idolatry and what have you. So so that was involved in every single culture. 
as it is today. Now, in chapter 18, I want to summarize this chapter very quickly. Sexual relations with close relatives, forbidden. That's over half of the, the chapter deals with that. Homosexuality and other sex perversions are an abomination to the Lord. Now, Linda and I were sitting down and, and we discussed, or kind of discussed, the one verse. And her immediate reaction was, why would God put all this in the Bible? Verse after verse after verse dealing with all these different things that you, you know, don't even really want to read. And if any of you have read this chapter since we begun the study of this book, when you got to this chapter, you probably were shaking your head and saying, why, you know, why all this in here? I mean, I don't really want to read it. A holy God putting this in the Holy Bible? I believe there's at least four different reasons why this is in the Bible. One of them would be just as we looked at in chapter 16, where after the death of Nadab and Abihu, the Lord came and he gave specific instructions related to the tabernacle and how the high priest was to approach. The same thing goes here. God put in the commandment, the seventh commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. Now he's going to spell it out. He's going to make it much more clear. Second reason... The Egyptians practiced intermarriage amongst brothers and sisters. These cultures now that they're going to be uh, around, the Amorites and the Philistines and the, the Jebusites and, and, and all these people, they also practiced these, these intermarriages you know, with father, mother, uh, son, daughter, grandchildren, you know, all this stuff that they did. And God now is going to spell this out to define what is an abomination to him for the reason, I believe, of protecting the family. Because the Israelites in the wilderness now, and as they move further on in Joshua, the time of Joshua, uh, they are going to, to live in more of a communal type of setup than we, we experience today. They're all together. You know, they put the tribes together. All the tribes were, were around the tabernacle, living together. And then when they got in the land, each had their area. The, the, the tribe of, um, of Judah had their area and so on. And so God is going to, to set this up to protect the family. Another reason. The third reason, I believe, is because of the corrupt, the evil, and the darkened nature of man that comes out of the heart. God knows what that is, and he knows how evil and destructive it can be. So he's going to lay this out here for them. You're not to do this, you're not to do that. And I was actually thinking about that. The way people think now... You know, as far as the law, if the law says one thing, they'll say, well, it says that, but doesn't say this. If it doesn't say this, it's okay to do it. And the same reasoning can, can be applied by someone who is carnal 
and say, well, you know, it said you're not allowed to have this person, but this person doesn't say anything about it, so it's okay. So, so God covers every base there, dealing with all these relation, relationships so that there's no way that they can, you know, do these things and not know it's against the command of God. And then the fourth reason, I believe, is he's gathering evidence for judgment against all those that do such things. So the Lord really knows what he's doing. He set up the program, and, and uh, it's best to, to walk in, in the light as he is in the light. Now, as I was reading, I couldn't even read it all, to be honest with you. I read part of it, and I thought, Psh, you know... I mean, I have to read it, I guess, because I'm teaching it, but I didn't read it all. And I thought, you know, this is just like, you know, over there somewhere. You know, it, it doesn't relate to where you are now as a Christian. And the reason that is, is because of where God has taken you. See, there is a contrast now between light and darkness, and, and before, maybe that wasn't so dark to certain people. But now it's darkness. It's evil. It's an abomination because of where God has brought them. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, familiar portion of Scripture. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should, sh should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So there's this contrast where God has brought you out of darkness into his light, and now you should show forth his praises. And the word praises there doesn't mean praising with your lips. It's talking about that which is intrinsic, or as the marginal reading says, Virtues is talking about a quality of character that is in you now that you can show forth his virtue, his virtue out from you, who has called you out of darkness now into his marvelous light. And so you look at some of these things now in, in chapter 18, and it's just like so far removed from even your thinking. I mean, you know, even thinking that. But obviously there are those who do think that way. They did back then, and God laid that forth in Leviticus, and we see in the Corinthian church that very thing being there. And, and of course, they were Gentiles, but I'm sure that they, they knew some of the Jewish text. Of course, especially since they, were, they became Christians. So, you know, there's always a reason why things are in the Bible. Whether we see it, understand it or not, is beside the point. There's a lot of things I read, I just shake my head and say, I have no clue, Lord, what this is talking about. Now, if you want me to teach it, you have to show me something, or else I'm not going to teach that particular thing. Now, let's move on in chapter 18. Because there's other things here. Uh, verse 21. And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Moloch, neither shalt thou profane the name 
of thy God, I am the Lord. I'll read one verse here from the Amplified, from Jeremiah, and we're going to look at that in a little bit. And they have built the high places of Tophath, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnon, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire in honor to Moloch, the fire god, which I, I did not command, nor did, I, uh, nor did it come into my mind or heart. God says it didn't even come. I don't understand that. But God says, it, in other words, it didn't even come into his mind that they would do such a thing. But if he's God, he should know that. But I guess some things he chooses not to know. But this is a Canaanitish God, and I want to pass these around. I really couldn't get the picture I was looking for, but there's two, two pictures here that I printed from the Internet. <clears throat> the one was taken from uh, the Boston Public Library where they have, a, 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 I guess, on display a, a mural of uh, this god here, the god Moloch. And then the other one shows uh, a fire down around his legs, and him sitting there. This, this, this god had a, the head of a bull. You probably have seen it before. And his, his arms are stretched out like this, which I believe is, is a proper depiction of, of this god. Now, it mentions Tophet, T-O-P-H-E-T. Now, this was a valley that they had set up the worship of Moloch there, and they, just like the Israelites were to keep the fire and the tabernacle burning all the time, they kept the fires burning in this valley continually. All the time, these fires were going, and, and they would, would do different sacrifices. They would actually perform infant sacrifices to this god. And it was said that in some of the, the research I was doing, that they would heat the arms of this god red hot, and then they would throw an infant on, their, their children, on the arms of this god. And the word tophet, the first part of the word, T-O-P, means drum. And, and what they did were they had drums going to drown out the screams of these people being burnt alive. Now, <laughs> You talk about something that is evil, evil as evil can be. And we read the Bible and we say, why is it that God tells Joshua, when you go into the land, don't you spare these people. You take your sword and you kill them all and you kill the animals. You kill everything dealing with these people. And we say, how cruel and, you know, how could God do such a thing? Why would he do such a thing? See, that's because we don't understand, and we haven't spent the time to look into some of these things to see how these people lived and what they did. Putting a child on the red-hot arms of an idol, burnt alive, or causing the child, I guess, that was older, to pass through the fire. That means they, they, they put them through the fire or into the fire. And they were killed. Oh, let's have the drums going real loud so we don't hear the screams of the kids. 
In 2 Kings, turn there. 2 Kings 16. There were two kings of Judah that actually did this very thing. You know, you wonder why God says all these things in Leviticus. Well, he knew what he was doing. He's trying to warn them. In verse 3, this is uh, speaking of Ahaz. But he walked in the ways of the kings of, of Israel, yea, and made his sons to pass through the fire according to the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel. So this king actually did this. And then in chapter 21... Verse 6, this is Manasseh, who is the, the most evil of all the kings, they, they believe. And he made his sons pass through the fire and observe times and use enchantments and dealt with familiar spirits and wizard. He wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. So these two kings here uh, did this very thing. And we're not going to turn there, but in Jeremiah 19, verse 5 and 6, this word tophet, God says, he has Jeremiah prophesy uh, to the people of Israel, and he says that no more is this going to be called tophet, but now it's going to be called the valley of slaughter because God was going to come in, <laughs> so to speak, and kill those who did, did such things. So those who were not innocent, God was going to, to see to it that, that they were going to be killed. Now, there is quite a contrast between this sacrificing to Moloch and what we see with Jesus. Uh, in, in Mark 10, you don't have to turn here, verse 13 and 14. And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer or allow the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. So you have the contrast of this God who they're burning children in its arms to Jesus Christ who has his arms stretched out saying, allow the little children to come to me. So this contrast is set there for us to see and to know why God throws these people out of the land. In chapter 20 of Leviticus, verse 1, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Again, thou shalt say to the children of Israel, Whosoever here he be of the children of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn in Israel that giveth any of his seed unto Moloch, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. And I will set my face against that man. Now look at the strong language that he uses here. And cut him off from among his people because he hath given his seed unto Moloch to defile my sanctuary and to profane my holy name. It's it's been um, researched, and, and people, I guess, that, that do these archaeological uh, findings, they, they do the research or the digs, they find that, that in some of these, these temples, like for the, temp, the temple for Baal and Moloch and, and other of the Canaanite gods, 
that when they excavated around the temple, they would find uh, skeletons of small children buried there. And if the people of the land do in any, any ways hide their eyes from the man when he giveth his seed unto Moloch and kill him not, then I will set my face against that man and against his family and will cut him off and, and all that go whoring after him to commit whoredom, whoredom with Moloch from among their people. So God says that if, if any of the Israelites sacrifice their children... To this God, you take them out, and it's capital punishment, and you stone them with stones. And if you see someone, maybe it's a prominent person, maybe it's somebody who's the, the bully of the, of the town, <laughs> and you turn your eyes away and you pretend, oh, I didn't see anything. I, you know how we, how we do I didn't see anything. I didn't see a thing. <laughs> if you turn your eyes away, God says, that I'm going to set my face against you. Now, it's interesting, whenever we, I'll get to this in a minute, when, when in chapter 20, what he sets the death penalty for. But anyway, turn to Leviticus 18 again, one verse here. And this is another disgusting thing. It's, it's vile, it's evil, it's debauchery, it's, it's you know, it, it's just darkness. Verse 23. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself, neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereto. It is confusion. Bestiality is practiced today in this country, if you didn't know that. Just a few weeks ago, there was a girl walking around showing people a video clip that she downloaded to her cell phone of bestiality. We think this stuff just is, is from you know, the Old Testament. No, this stuff is, so to speak, death, alive and well. I don't want to say that it's death and not too well, but it's, it's around. Now, I want to draw your attention to something here. God uses this word. I didn't put it in here. What is it? No. Oh, I know what it is. Okay. He uses this word con, uh, confusion, and that means it's a violation of nature or a violation of divine order. Now, remember... Whenever anyone starts to move away from a divine order, whatever that may be, eventually, if they move in the opposite direction of that, you will have confusion. And that goes, I mean, there's so many applications for that, you know, in society. And in particular, the family. If you move away from uh, the order there in the family, then there's a, a degree of confusion that, that comes into the situation. When, when you deal with people, when you start to counsel people, a lot of times you have to wade through the confusion that's there. Well, well, why? Because they have digressed from the divine order. 
Now, another meaning for the word confusion here is the word mixture. And that is a ritualistic term that we studied when we looked at the, the meat offering, the meal offering, where it says that they got oil and they mingled it with flour, the mingling. They, they got the oil and the flour, the fine flour, and they mixed it, and they're going to make an offering unto the Lord. Those here that practice bestiality have this same thing. This is, this is a... a, a um, it's not the exact same word, but it's a derivative of this word that we're seeing, confusion, mixture. They have a mixture of wickedness with, with their heart, so to speak, that is now an offering to devils. Whereas one, you have a mixture of the, the oil and the fine flour, which is a, becomes an offering to God. Now you have the direct opposite, the darkness, where, where this, is, is this wickedness is mixed in with their, their nature by what they're doing, and that's like an offering to devils. And I thought that was very interesting. Confusion is a result of leaving the ordinances and, and, and moving in another direction. Okay, so... I want to summarize real quick verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 18, 19, 20. Chapter 18 deals with immorality in uh, one's personal life. Chapter 19 deals with immorality in the social life. It says, be holy and live righteously. Uh, in chapter 19, love your neighbor and keep the commandments. God also reaffirms the laws and commandments in chapter 19. And then he, he forbids uh, enchantments, wizard, wizardry, and prostitution. That's in, in chapter 19. In chapter 20, the death penalty for breaking his ordinances are levied. And he, they're, they're, they're levied against sacrifice to Moloch, which we looked at for a minute. Cursing father or mother. When a child would curse father or mother, God says they were to be put to death. See, we don't understand these things, do we? Now, there's reasons for this. Adultery, they're to be put to death. Remember when Jesus found the woman who was caught in adultery? They were ready to stone her, weren't they? But Jesus, you know, he's going to Extend his arms of grace in the situation. Um, the death penalty for homosexuality. Boy, that would really put a... Uh, the, the clamps on HIV. The death penalty. Uh, the death penalty for bestiality. The death penalty was given for spiritism. And other abominations are listed in chapter 20. And then he also lists different laws and ordinances that he sets forth. Now, go to chapter 18 because I want, want to show you the fate of the Canaanites and the fate of the Israelites uh, if they didn't move you know, according to the ordinances of God. Now, in chapter 18, verse 24... 
Defile not yourselves in any of these things, for in all these things the nations are defiled, which I cast out before you. So God's saying that these nations did that. And so now I'm casting them out. Now you're not, you're not supposed to do this. Uh, and the land is defiled, therefore I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it, and the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of, any of, your, of your own nation, nor a stranger that sojourneth among you. For all these abominations have the men of the land done. Now, if you'll remember, there's a scripture in Genesis that it says, and I'll kind of paraphrase it, um, that the iniquity of the Amorites was not yet full. So, so God was waiting for the iniquity of the Amorites. He's giving them chance, grace, whatever you want to say, until it, it becomes full. And, and by the way, Moloch was a god of the Amorites. And, and when that iniquity becomes full, or to a certain point, then God's judgment comes, and he's going to take care and do what he has to do. Well, we're, we're reading here what he's going to do. He's going to throw them out of the land because of all these evil things that they did. And it says here that, that the land is going to vomit them out because of their wickedness. For, for all these abominations have the men of the land done, which were before you, and the land is defiled. That the land spew not you out also when ye defile it, as it spewed out the nations that were before you. So, so God says that, that the Israelites, now this is the reason I'm, I'm you know, taking them out of the land, because of, of the manner of the things that they were doing. Now, see to it that you don't do it, because if you do it, the land will vomit you out also, and actually that took place. So, so God's word is true. He doesn't mess around, mince words, as they say. Now turn to chapter 20, and we'll, we'll, we'll have to stop here. This is the conclusion here, uh, verse 22. Ye shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments, and do them, that the land, whether I bring you to dwell therein, spew you not out. And ye shall not walk in the manners of the nations which I cast out before you, for they committed all these things, and therefore I have bored them. But I have said unto you, ye shall inherit their land, and I will give it unto you, to possess it, a land that floweth with milk and honey, I am the Lord your God, which have separated you from other people. So in, in keeping the statutes and ordinances of the Lord, there is tremendous benefit. I want to read another verse here. This is from Leviticus 26. And listen to this. If you follow my decrees... And are careful to obey my commandments, I will send you rain in its season, and the ground will yield its crops, and the trees of the field their fruits. 
Your threshing will continue until the grape harvest, and the grape harvest will continue until the planting, and you will eat all the food you want and, and live in safety in your land. So, so he's saying here that if you keep my statutes and my ordinances, and I want to relate this to us, if you, Christian, keep his statutes and ordinances, and, and if you do whatever it is that he is showing you on a personal level, because that all applies. It's not just what we're reading. But remember, we're, we serve a personal God. If you do that, then you will harvest in every season. There's not going to be a time where there's no harvest, where there's, you know, okay, you know, four months, and then we're going to have a downtime of two months. Then you're going to, to have the grapes come in. And, no, God's saying that there's going to be a fruitfulness that comes out from the life all the time, constantly. Doesn't matter. There's always something planting, being planted, and there's always a harvest. So, so there is a benefit in serving God. There is a benefit in keeping His ordinance. There is benefit in allowing Him to work in your life and bring you where He wants to bring you, uh, and, and, and obeying that which He shows you, regardless of how small it will be, maybe, because you, as a believer, will start to, to have a, a, um, an increase, or your crop, so to speak, spiritually, will yield continually. And we think, oh, God wants us to do it, we're not supposed to do it, or whatever it may be, and we think it's some terrible thing, and we don't want to do it. But see, these things are for your benefit. One more verse. No, I think we'll have to stop there because we don't have time. Um, I wanted to, to deal with uh, the holiness, the reason why he lays down all these laws for immorality is the, basically is that you and I would move into holiness. Um, be ye holy as I am holy. It says that in, in Exodus. It says it in Leviticus. Um, I believe it's in Peter. And in, I believe it's Peter. It says, be ye ho holy, for I am holy. Oh, no, be ye holy in, in all manner of conversation or behavior. The word means behavior. And, and in that verse, the, the words be ye... I think is the verb. That is in the command form. That's an imperative mood verb, which means it's a command. So God's commanding you to be holy and me to be holy. So, so keep his ordinances, that which he shows you, and he will take you along that line and produce you know, a degree of holiness in you. Basically. Okay? All right, we'll stop there and continue next week. Scripture I said, rivers of living.